Welcome to Authentic Health Fridays on The Jason Rice Show. This segment empowers you to reclaim control over your well-being and live a life aligned with your body's natural design. I am thrilled to guide you through insightful conversations and practical advice, all geared towards helping you achieve the vibrant and balanced life you deserve. In this dynamic series, we have the privilege of tapping into the expertise of a true visionary in the field of health and wellness, Dr. Gus Vickery, the founder of Authentic Health, located in the scenic heart of Asheville, North Carolina, is more than just a renowned author and speaker. He's a beacon of wisdom in the world of precision medicine and integrated health. Each episode, Dr. Vickery will be your trusted companion on a journey to unlock the secrets of authentic health. Drawing from his extensive knowledge and expertise, he'll share invaluable tools, tips, and information to guide you in understanding your body's unique needs and embracing the principles of precision medicine. Another Authentic Health Friday with Dr. Gus. Gus, I missed you last week, man. I had to fly solo, so it was pretty short and sweet and just me talking about how awesome you are while you weren't here. So I'm glad you're back. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be back. And I'm sorry we couldn't quite make the connection. But at this point, with everything I've taught you, I think you have the authority just to roll with it. Just to teach everybody everything they need to know. Well, oh my gosh, that's a scary thought. But I tell you what, I am pumped about this episode selfishly and because I think that the audience is going to be like so excited. This is just one of those cool topics that I think anyone would like to learn about. And that is, this is kind of like the kickoff for my less than 50 project that I told you that I'm on a mission to do. And so, for, so the audience knows I came up with this big cockamamie idea that since I'm 48 now, actually 48 and a half, I want to push off turning 50 as long as possible. Now, the, just the day, I can't stop time. I can't, and I, I can't, although I can't go full-blown Benjamin Button, there are some things I can do to slow the aging process. And even though chronologically, there's no stopping me turning 50, biologically, which I think is much more important. I want to try to halt and potentially reverse that process as much as possible. So I called on the expertise of my buddy, the exalted and beloved one, Dr. David Augustus. You, you said it, just kidding. That's what his name, folks. His name is David Augustus Vickery. And so beloved, exalted one is what that actually means. So, I mean, I had to go big time. So, so I went to the beloved, exalted one, Gus Vickery, to help me with this process. And in that, I uh, I called up his uh, his nurse, uh, Courtney. If Courtney's listening, hello. Thank you for all your wonderful help being uh, Gus's right hand there at the clinic. And I said, send me the test kits. Let's do this. And I got this two boxes of kits, testing kits with a lot of vials. You need a lot of blood from me, but you also need a stool sample, some urine sample. It's pretty intimidating, Gus. I'll be honest with you. I know. Yeah. I understand. I've, I've walked hundreds and if not thousands <laughs> of people through this now, and I have, I've heard the comments. Oh, <laughs> well. And thing I do to myself every year. Oh, well, God bless you, my brother. I'm, will, I'm ready to do it. And so what I thought I would do for you, the Jason Wright Show, Authentic Health Friday audience, I would just kind of walk through these different kits and let Gus not only tell you what the kits are going to be measuring, what we're going to be finding out. Uh, we're going to go through a 
uh, a little report on someone's epigenetic test so that you can see kind of what that is. Because that's the cool one to me, to be able to really kind of go in and look at what your what your DNA is showing and how you can start to make some changes to your body to correct or enhance some things and let you know how I am going to start this process of staying biologically under 50 for as long as possible, but then also revert back to some of the previous episodes to tie this all together because as Gus has said and I have said on this show, we're trying this is all building blocks. It's a foundation with the gut built forward. And now we're going to talk about when we look at these things so that you've got to see where you are before you can ever get to where you want to go. And so that's what this process is going to be. And so Gus is going to walk us through some things to say, okay, this is why we're measuring this. And here's how we're going to address whatever we might find. So with that, I thought we would just go into the test first, Gus, and just show everybody. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, I'm going to hold the boxes up. I will... um I can put links into the uh, the show notes, right, Gus? We got that for them. Okay, I'll put I'll put links to the uh, to the test kit so that you guys can check them out if you want to go through this. I think everyone should. And let's just get this party started. All right. So, do you have a preference as to which kit that I start with, Gus? No, I don't. I do want to uh, just uh, briefly just point people to the fact that when what we're teaching through these podcasts, through case studies and going through examples like this. Um, you know, we would encourage everybody who can to get their data. And there's yeah. a reason we're doing this and showing this data because there's all these individual nuanced findings that really do impact whether you, you know, take this supplement or not, or whether you make this modification in your environment. But if for some reason this isn't accessible to you, good health is still accessible to you. Your health span is still something that you can be empowered over. If you take the fundamentals that we teach through these lessons, and you just decide you're going to apply them, uh, regarding what you do to your environment, what do you do with your nutrition, what do you do with your rest, what do you do with your breath, and we've got a long ways to go because this is going to be a continual process. How do you support your body and its nutrient needs, your gut health? Your body will take you where you want where where you want to go. It's not like you, if you can't afford a lot of the tests and going through a process like this, that somehow the the end result that Jason is seeking isn't available to you. It is still available to you. And we're doing these podcasts so that those of you who might not have access to these resources will be able to get the same result. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's start here. This is from Vibrant Wellness. That's who your partner is on this stuff, Doc. And I've got the good old urine collection kit, which I think is the easiest, most non-evasive of all of the kits. But then I've also got a stool collection kit. So let me show everybody what this looks like. If you're watching, it comes in a little box like, terrible at this, comes in a box like this. I haven't even taken these out of the box yet. Here is my, this is the one I'm sure everybody's going to be curious about that'll probably get people watching. This is the the stool sample kit. I've got these two little, uh, whatever you call containers here, look like little pill bottles. And then I guess this is going to go over my toilet. That's where I collect the sample. Is that right? I mean, yeah. th there's no there's no really soft way to put this stuff, folks. I mean, that's where I collect the stuff, the the goods, <laughs> and then somehow I'm going to get it in these, and I'm going to send my. Have, uh, they have little spoons attached to the tops. When you okay, yeah. so I'm going to send little spoonfuls of poop to my good buddy, uh, Doctor Gus, <laughs> the exalted <laughs> one. Right, man. <laughs> Better get it. <laughs> there you go. And then 
I'm gonna, in, in here, this is the other box for the urine sample, which that's probably pretty self-explanatory. Yep, just a little cup, a little deal there, a little to send that off. Okay, so. We had for you the non-invasive test, but actually just for you, I was gonna send a nurse to do a Foley catheter. Oh so gosh. We can get your urine that way. I thought you'd really appreciate the extra. Did you know, do you know who invented the catheter? You probably know this. I don't know that I do. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. Now, if if not the very first catheter, one of the early ones, and it was made out of, um, it was made out of metal. It was like made out of steel. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, oh, good for him. Good on him, right? Like, yeah. The idea that I would have thought the cathode that maybe he came up with the cathode, but I wouldn't have known that he came up with the catheter. Yeah, you know the 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 American Renaissance man himself, uh, Ben Franklin. So, okay, so Doc, let's talk about my urine and my poop. What are we going to find out from these screenings? Yeah, so these are just a couple of several tests that Jason will be doing. The urine test is the urinary toxicant test. We did an entire episode where we walked through a toxicant report and showed you the results. So the urine is right now at this point the best way to screen for these different toxicants. So it assesses for heavy metals. Many of the different mold proteins are toxicants that can be highly problematic for individuals. And a, a lot of the, the different envirotoxins, including pesticides, herbicides, glyphosate, which we've talked about fairly extensively, atrazine, commonly picked up on golf courses, and then parabens and phthalates and bisphenol A and xylenes, and these things that are in our air, in our water, in our food. And also in our cosmetics and personal care products, our automobiles, our synthetic clothing. And so what happens, of course, is we're, we've got these toxicants that are coming into our human system. And then our body has these systems of elimination to run them through the, the detox system and what we call conjugate them and then bind them and, and excrete them out uh, the different pathways, which includes, of course, stool, urine, and sweat. And so what we're measuring is the urine excretion. So what we're measuring is it's come into the body, circulated through the bloodstream and then filtered by the kidneys. And then there are cutoffs for the values that are based on percentages of, uh, you know, the population and what's considered normal and what's abnormal. And so it's a critical test. Typically we find, uh, you know, the, maybe the lion's share of the problems that someone is dealing with in that toxicant test, whether it's a fatigue syndrome or rheumatological issue gut issues, um, you know, brain fog, um, many of these different things, because these toxicants, especially the mold ones, have these uh, you know, different impacts on the human system and the immune system itself. And also the gut, meaning that the pesticides and herbicides are very destructive to the gut biome. So a lot of the gut problems that we identify are really due to the toxicants. So from my perspective, it's critical because of what we're dealing with in our environments. And it's going to let us know at baseline, living in the uh, ultra clean, non-toxic uh, area of Tyler, Texas, what, what might be getting into Jason's body that even with his use of glutathione and his proactive approach to food and water and everything else, what's still getting through the system and, stay, and causing a potential problem for him. A lot of what we're looking at uh, could be causing problems now, meaning detectable symptoms, but oftentimes maybe not. In a healthy individual, the body might be handling it, but eventually the body gets overwhelmed by it. And there's no doubt there's a significant impact on the downstream diseases that would affect Jason's goal 
of staying under 50. So we know that many of these toxicants have are carcinogens, meaning they increase the risk of mutations and cancer change. They're also contributors to metabolic diseases, insulin resistance, blood glucose dysregulation, diabetes, uh, visceral fat accumulation, you know, gaining a lot of weight, and the list goes on. So this is a critical piece of the workup, work, uh, yeah, the workup, so that we know what's in the system. And then with that information, what we can do is then say, okay, we can back, re, you know, reverse engineer, where are the likely sources for these toxicants? And some of them could be from the past. Some of the mold toxicants can hang around a long time in the body. And so maybe it was an exposure a year and a half ago to a moisture damaged building. And it's not a continual exposure, but we need to clear it out of the system. Um, but a lot of it could be what's still getting in regardless of what he's done for his environment. So then we can begin to work with him on what are the blind spots and let's, let's make those visible and then we can retest later and make sure that we are in a sustainable way keeping his toxin, his internal toxicant environment uh, as minimal as possible. And that's one of the things too, that if you, for those of you now to kind of put these pieces together, we've actually gone through some of these results from um, one of Dr. Gus's patients. And so now you'll be able to see like when we're talking about, okay, there's a presence of of this and a presence of that whenever we did those screens. Now, this is where the information comes from. I think that was probably, that was like three episodes back, right, Gus? I think where we did the toxins. I'm not, I can't remember, actually. But we've, we've got such a backlog of podcasts. that <laughs> I know, I know. and But it, it is one of the, the places where we have to start because if it, for those who haven't gone through the series, and by the way, I think it was in last week's episode I did without you or the one before, I went ahead and I listed in order all the different episodes. So if you haven't listened to them yet, I've got them in order for you. Also, uh, Troy Jackson, uh, Gus's partner at, at his at the Authentic Health Clinic in Asheville is also sending those out. So I will cr- I'll uh, put a link where maybe you can they can subscribe to Troy's newsletter that he's putting out because he's putting out all those episodes in order. So it's just easier to find, to catalog them like that. But that way you can see the results that I'm going to see. And then Dr. Gus can go to work on this. Okay. So now the next one, the the kind of the nastiest one, to be quite honest, is, all right, so you're also going to take a stool sample. What are we going to learn from that? Once again, we would reflect back to the episode that we did on gut where we went through an entire uh, report. And kind of talked about what we saw there and also what we commonly see, what we do about it. But it, the gut is foundational to health. I think everybody knows that. It's, it's the pathway for the vast majority of fluids, nutrients, minerals, and, um, and uh, nutrient, nutritional pieces, the fatty acids, amino acids, everything that we need uh, for our body to function. So your gut. The actual tube of your gut, it's just a big, long tube starting in your mouth and goes all the way through to the where it exits. The tube of your gut inside there is the external environment. It's not the internal, it's not the internal environment of your body. It's the external environment passing through your body. And so the, the lining of your gut has a very challenging job to do. It has to, like your skin, be a protective barrier to protect the 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 whole organism from pathogens and chemicals and anything that could actually be damaging to the body. But at the same time, 
it has to be permeable, meaning it has to allow things in that we need to get in from the food we eat, the water we drink, et cetera. And so the gut has a single layer of cells called enterocytes, and they have different functions in the small bowel or the large bowel. And those cells um, are joined together uh, by something called tight junction. So they're held together with like this really tight junction, a bunch of connecting proteins so that nothing can get in between the cells, nothing can breach the barrier. And then they're coated with healthy biofilms that are designed to further protect and insulate them from damage. And as because of both one changes of aging and different things that, that get into our uh, historically pathogens like parasites and viruses and fungi, those were the things that would cause a lot of gut problems. Uh, and, and then potentially uh, toxins that could have been in some food like wild berries or bitter leaves or something like that that could have been problematic. Now it's, a, it's those possibly those things, but it's a lot of the toxicants that we just discussed that are coming in. And the end result of that is that they, they begin to erode those protective biofilms and they begin to impact the integrity of the cells and the tight junctions. And then the gut no longer has the integrity it needs and little pieces of different things can kind of leak through. And you have a big portion of your immune system right there at the gut to protect the body. It starts activating against these things and you start getting these chronic immunological problems and chronic gut problems. Uh, it keeps going on and on. Initially, the symptoms are often uh, possibly not much, like maybe J Jason's not feeling or reporting any symptoms in his gut. And given everything he's done and what he knows, his gut might be pretty healthy looking at baseline. But we're doing it because even the Jasons of the world, when I start with them, we typically see there's a lot of gut work to be done. Maybe it's not from the last couple of years, but maybe it's from 10 years ago or 15 years ago before Jason knew what he knows about uh, health. And then for a lot of individuals, they, then maybe they've uh, really cleaned up their health picture, but they had a longstanding history of taking a lot of antibiotics for recurring infections or taking steroids or anti-inflammatories or different types of stomach acid suppressing medications. Well, those things are going to have created a change in the gut ecosystem that will persist long term unless it gets fixed. And so what we're going to see is uh, we're going to see markers of digestive function, markers of the quality of his bile which is produced through the biliary system and the gallbladder, markers of gut wall integrity, whether it could be damaged or not, markers of inflammation and immune system activation, uh, an analysis for all the different pathogens, including parasites and various you know, worms and viruses and pathogenic bacteria that can be problematic, as well as a mapping of the entire ecosystem of this biome to look at balance and diversity and see what he needs. And, you know, briefly, you know, I, I described in our very first episode how I got to where I've gotten with what I'm doing. And it just deepens and evolves over time. Uh, the tests that I've ordered for Jason have, have been pretty standard for me for a couple of years, but there are going to be changes and evolutions of this as we get even better technologies and ways of evaluating a human system. But what I started with as I began to do deeper work seven or eight years ago was just blood tests, um, looking at really specifically in the area of preventative cardiology, lipidology, and metabolic health and saying, hey, how can we uh, stabilize arterial plaques? How can we uh, prevent progression of arterial plaques? How can we reverse blood glucose dysregulation, insulin resistance, and diabetes? How can we restore the body? And that's where it started. And it was just more expansive blood testing 
and then the various things we would do. And then as I kept working with more individuals and more complicated cases would come to me that had these other symptoms or findings or diagnoses that were more challenging for me, I realized that we had to start looking deeper to find our answers. And that's where I started, you know, looking at gut intoxicant. And then when I did, what I started seeing is that at, at baseline, an individual that's never gone through this process, that essentially 100% of people, no matter how healthy they are, need to go and do some gut work and some detox work if they want their system to be really healthy. And if you're not attending to these variables, but you're going and getting in a hyperbaric chamber and doing photobiomodulation and cold plunges and periodic fasting, that's all still good for you. I'm not stating that there's not a benefit, but you're not going to move the needle the way you want to on achieving your health goals if you don't go back and look at your body's toxicant situation and gut situation and do the work needed to fix those issues in a sustainable way. And by the way, and I, I, as long as I say it's okay, then we're then it's fine, right? I'm gonna sh I want to show all these reports. I have no, I, I'm I'm not so vain that um, I'm not going. So so we'll go through these. Is that cool, Doc? Yeah, we'll do an episode where we walk through your data. Yeah, um, and then it'll be great because at some point we'll do the follow up data and we'll show how the protocols work. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I want this to be for you guys. Is like as I go through this whole less than fifty process with Gus, is I want to show you guys the journey. I want you to, sh I want to show, I'll show you everything I'm doing physically, uh, nutritionally, whatever. And, and I'm a, I'm a very teachable, coachable, uh, student. And so whatever Gus tells me or advises, that's what I'm going to do. If I need to up my fasting a little bit, if I need to add some, something to my, my diet, whatever, I am going to do that. So, okay. Now the next one I have here is the prodrome scan. This one. Yeah. Yes. This one's pretty, this is pretty simple. This is just a, I'm going to get a vial of blood for this, right? Yeah. When you go for your blood test, which okay. will be, you, there are certain kits you don't have in your hands. There are orders that we send straight to the lab for okay. blood tests. And just real briefly, we'll be doing a full blood panel on Jason. Uh, is it okay if I just real briefly just yeah. visit that blood panel? It'll include, and we're going to do an episode soon where we do a blood panel review and walk through the different things that we look at. But That'll include an assessment of, of Jason's lipids, meaning his cholesterol levels, but not just cholesterol levels, cholesterol particles and ratios of particles and higher risk particles. It'll also uh, include fatty acid balances. We're looking in the cell membranes at the balance of different fatty acids like omega-3s and omega-6s and saturated fats and trans fats. It'll include markers of oxidative stress and inflammation, immune system markers, inflammatory cytokines. Uh, it'll include metabolic markers for insulin resistance, including glucose and insulin and hemoglobin A1C and some other markers. Uh, there are markers of how well are the cells functioning, uh, markers of certain cycles like methylation called homocysteine, ferritin, so, and then hormones, of course, as well. So we'll be looking at growth hormone and adrenal hormones and thyroid hormones and reproductive hormones. So that's a full blood panel that he'll have drawn. When he has it drawn, They'll also draw the tube for this prodrome kit. Now, this prodrome kit is an example of the evolution of my model because this is a test that I've just been adding in and I haven't, it adds some costs. So I haven't necessarily told everybody they, that they have to do it. I recommend most people do it. And for people who've had any kind of chronic illness, I do recommend it. This is a test that my, that my researcher friend, Dr. Diane Goodenow 
who will be getting into some of his stuff because of how foundationally important it is for preventing uh, many different uh, diseases of aging, but especially brain atrophy, loss of brain matter and different forms of dementia. Um, but he came up with this test as a way of looking uh, in a more precise way at balances of fatty acids and particular nutrients like choline and phospholipids and the different phospholipids and being able to measure those precisely and then looking at the ratios and seeing how do they correspond to, you know, are the cell membranes throughout the body, but also in the brain healthy? Are they healthy? Are they functioning normally? Including the mitochondrial membranes, which are critical. And you can look at that profile and you can tell whether or not that person is in a state where cell function is basically dysfunctional. The energy synthesis pathways are not working well, or and so you know you don't have mitochondrial efficiency. So you're going to be tired. You're going to have a hard time, you know, pushing through or pushing into a deeper workout or something of that sort. Um, is there ongoing oxidative stress and damage to the cell that's likely affecting membranes? It gets really deep. And when he gets his data, we'll be doing a special episode on that test because it'll allow me to introduce aspects of fatty acids that are so critical to how we age that have just not been understood until more recently, thanks to Dr. Goodenow. Um, so that test is going to look at those markers and tell us what do we need to do for Jason to support cell function and mitochondrial function, but especially membrane health and whether or not he needs to be on uh, supplemental doses of precursors to something called plasmalogens. Y'all don't have to remember all this for now, but this is so important for your future brain and your child's brain that we're going to do a whole episode and we will get a little deep in that because this is critical to know about. And it's something that everybody can do the intervention. They can start to protect their body. So that is that kit. And that one's going to be a fascinating review because the truth is that I'm been through the entire course uh, to understand interpretation, but I'm just beginning to really interpret this data in light of all the other data. Because when I'm looking at these data sets, I'm not just looking at the individual data pieces. We want someone to get all this data done in, a, in, in relatively proximal fashion, meaning within the same week. Because what we want to know is what does, what does the blood work look like? Immune system, metabolics, oxidative stress markers, lipids, arterial health hormones in the setting of this toxicant environment, in the setting of this gut health, you know, in the setting of this membrane mitochondrial performance. Because the more of that we put together, the more lenses that we use to look at the human system, the closer we get to an accurate model, a more precise model. Because, you know, backing up for a moment, your human system is an infinitely and i mean infinitely complex flux system meaning there's constant flux constant change and when we're doing tests like this we're essentially taking a picture a snapshot of a flux system right the the only way to really know the story of a flux system is to record a movie as long a movie as you can where you can watch it play out over time the best we've got right now are snapshots but they're good snapshots the more snapshots we can take from different vantage points at the same moment in time, the better, we, the better we will be at creating a correct interpretation of what's going on with this infinitely complex system. And the good news is that it works. 
You know, it, it appears that with these limited views that we can get, that when we take the right actions, that the body begins to repair itself and restore back to a more normal state or optimal state of function. So that test will be really interesting because you guys will be watching me not only help Jason understand it and hopefully help you guys understand it, but you'll also be watching me working through my own learning process because uh, I'll be gaining hopefully greater competency in it in the days to come as I do more and more of them and integrate it to the other data. Well, very good. I'm glad to be your your guinea pig, Dr. Gus. No, no, yeah, no worries if there. Long, Jason, then don't get mad at me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you now, he, with daily enemas. To, oh. uh, yeah, you know. No. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just, a daily enema and a catheter, you know, sample uh, yeah. extraction. All right, now this is the cool one. This to me is the sexiest of the kits, which is the True Diagnostic, the epigenetic company. And before we even get into this kit, which just so that folks can see, it's also just, I'm going to give a sample of blood. So you get that. That's all it is. It's going to be a vial of blood that I'm going to send off. Now, before we even get into it, Gus, just, I, I never, like I've said before, I never want to assume everyone knows all the terminology. And for those of you who is just second nature for you. I'm not trying to dumb it down too far. I just want this to be, I want to cast as large of a net as possible. So just give a brief description of what, what do we mean by epigenetics? And two, for those of you who, for someone out there that when they, they've, they've heard a little bit about epigenetics and what it is, and they hear genetics and they know DNA and they think, oh my gosh, can I actually change my DNA? Which No, you can't do that. But there are some things that your DNA, it has unique to it, that you we can make some, some tweaks to it. So let's just start from that standpoint, high level, what is epigenetics, and then drill down to how important this little baby is going to be to guiding me on my path to staying under 50, Gus. Absolutely. So one, I want to be clear, <laughs> we're, we're in our infancy of applying genetic reports and epigenetic age markers to a clinical model. This is totally in its infancy. It's not a required portion of my model. Like individuals who want to work with me don't have to get these tests, but they're optional. And I encourage them for people who don't mind spending the extra money because I think they're fascinating. Um, but nonetheless, there is a lot of good clinical validation that these can be meaningful. The, the jury's out a little bit on how meaningful but I believe we're going to find out that it's actually pretty meaningful. Um, these types of tests, looking at your DNA and also looking at epigenetic age, and I'm going to explain that term in just a moment, there, um, if you had to choose between those or choosing actually what, what does your blood work look like right now, what does your gut look like, what does your toxicant look like, then you're going to choose the, uh, the toxicant, the gut, and the last, because that's, that's the sta state of the body. That's what we have to work with. Um, those are far more important. But these are, are quite helpful. So your DNA, of course, is your genetic code, and it contains the information for all of the things you're made out of, all the proteins and enzymes that make you you. And in any given moment, we're expressing some portions of our DNA, and we're turning off other portions of our DNA. Uh, as we develop, so some portions of our DNA are turned off permanently. As we age, we slowly uh, permanently turn off certain genes on our genome or segments on our genome and render them inoperable. 
And that does correlate, of course, to loss of structure and function associated with aging. And so part of aging is loss of DNA expression mm. to some extent. Um, and it, 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 to the extent that a, a segment of DNA is still accessible, it hasn't been permanently methylated and turned off, then we're able to express it when we need it. And that a lot of the information coming into your body, including the food you eat, is providing that information. Should we express these genes? Should we not express these genes? And that's going on all the time in all the cells of your body. It's really amazing when you think about it. Now, your DNA isn't going to change unless it's mutated. And that's happening to some extent all the time, but usually it's harmless. Uh, but, you know, if you were in a really toxic environment or have high radiation exposure or things like that, you can increase your risk of mutations that would be harmful for you. Epigenetics is the area of study where we're looking at well, how is a, a genome that contains all that information, all these, I mean, your genome contains the information to code for all kinds of different versions of you. A, throughout, up until your end of your growth phase, a taller version of you or a less tall version of you, depending on the information it had during your growth phase in puberty. A, a bigger, more body fat type of you or a leaner version of you, a fitter version of you or a less fit version of you. A version of you whose brain is functioning well and working memory is working well and is cognitively, uh, you know, working at your higher potentials or a version of you that's cognitively not working well. There's all these different versions of you coded into your DNA. The one being expressed at this moment is your epigenetic, right? It's the version of you that your DNA code is expressing at this time. And so epigenetics is a complex field because we tend to look at a small number of gene, what we call polymorphisms, like your unique variant for a gene. And then we extrapolate from that all these ideas around how would your body interface with this environment? What are your potentials? And then what what is that version of you that you're likely expressing? We There's very few things that you can look at one gene polymorphism and say anything meaningful about. So you really have to look at sequences of genes that work together in conjunction to create the genetic expression. So you don't look at epigenetics independent of gut, toxicant, blood work, hormones, and everything else. It's all one picture. So what epigenetic age testing is, is a way of trying to ascertain your biological age, which is a made-up term. I want to be clear. There's no scientist that says there's such a thing as biological age. But it's a useful term for the point of this conversation. Your biological age would be how, basically, you know, as compared to a chronic, like let's just say an average individual is going to be between zero to 80 years of age. That's their lifespan. How does your current uh, biological age correspond to that chronological age? Are you 60 going on 41 biologically? You know, or are you 40 going on 61 biologically? That's what we're attempting to do with epigenetic age testing. And we're looking at uh, several variables. One is no; these are one is a well, calculations based off of something called the Horvath clock. Uh, this the doctor won the Nobel Prize for uh, uh, elucidating this science around uh, DNA methylation and how we can look at it through that lens and identify kind of what your biological age is, what your uh, you know compared to say your chronological age. So that's one lens to look at it. And the other is your telomeres, which are the end caps on your chromosomes. So these are little repeating units of nucleotides. Nucleotides are what make up 
your DNA, the four basic nucleotides. And these are just repeating units that don't code for information as far as we know. And it was figured out like that they're basically like shoelace, like the shoelace caps at the end of a shoelace. They are playing a protective role on your chromosomes. So your chromosomes are constantly undergoing, they have to split apart and then be copied and then rejoined. And so this continual process and damage can occur and these protective end caps kind of help protect the chromosomes. Now, as they shorten and length, the more vulnerable your chromosomes become to being damaged in a way that would cause that cell to stop replicating, to just become what we call senescent, to be of no use anymore. In fact, to potentially be a detriment to your body. And so the shorter your telomeres, the basically the biologically older you are. But the telomere length itself is a very dynamic metric, meaning that what we used to think was a one-way street, you have a certain amount of length to the telomeres in a given cell. And once they've shrunk to a certain point, that's it, you're done. Now that wasn't true, that your telomeres can be rebuilt through an enzyme called telomerase that is one of the holy grails of anti-aging right now or any kind of therapeutics that can activate telomerase and accelerate the rebuilding of telomeres that have been shortened. There's an enormous amount of science correlating various um, attributes to shorter or longer telomere length. And it's all the stuff we've already talked about and will talk about. Sleep, you know, are you getting sufficient sleep? Your stress environment, are you excessively stressed in a sustained way? That might, other than smoking and excess consistent alcohol, that one is probably the most damaging to telomere length. Um, your nutritional environment, toxic, all the things we're teaching you play into, are your telomeres shorter or are they longer? And then we have tools to uh, potentially lengthen those telomeres and lengthen the lifespan of those cells, which ultimately plays into your overall age. So what we're going to look at real briefly is a report, uh, just a summary report that we're going to go into much more detail in a future episode regarding, yeah, thank you, right? There it is. And I'll go ahead. You tell me if I'm scrolling it or not, Jason, as I'm doing this. Is that, am I doing that? Yep. Yep. Scrolling. Yeah. So this is from the company TrueAge. They're one of the main genetic companies, they run a lot of the raw data sets for the genetic reports that we do. And this is just a summary report on a female. And you can see here that the first thing we're looking at, and this is based on the Horvath clock. So the first thing we're looking at is her uh, intrinsic epigenetic age versus her chronological age. All right. So she's 41.57 and her intrinsic, intrinsic age is 40.44. That's good. Uh, because that means that she's at least a year biologically, maybe crawl younger than her chronological age. And then this is just a graph to show where she show, where, where she falls on that. So that is called the intrinsic age and it's based on the demethylation. Now this one changes more slowly than telomere length. We don't see these big 15 year swings, uh, you know, uh, with, uh, these metrics. Well, it, it goes more slowly. It takes longer to measure change and we might see. We can see up to like seven years of change, but it might be just a couple of years of change. I actually think this is a more meaningful metric than telomere length. So this is good. Now, this individual started working with me two years ago, and we've done all the things we've spoken about, and she just got this for the first time. So I wish we had a comparative because she's also used bioregulatory peptides like mm. robots over time, which I know made a difference in this. Like I'm confident based on her initial data 
and how she felt that uh, this intrinsic age was likely several years at least higher than the chronological age. And then the combination of what she's done for herself, uh, you know, her, her blood data is so much better than it used to be. And she feels so much better and her body, she wasn't overweight, but her body composition is better. Her fitness is better. Her sleep is better. All the things that we've been going through are all better. And I'm confident that shifted her age in a positive direction. And also yeah. real quick, Gus, if, if people yeah. want to learn more about bioregulating peptides, the very, very first episode you and I ever did when we first met, uh, we, we covered a lot on bioregulating peptides oh, because because I, I know that's still pretty novel to a lot of folks. And they're, they're not just you're not going to go to Drug Emporium and go to the bioregulating peptide section. So, uh, well, so that's good. No, that we already have it because I thought for sure when we what we would do is a combination where we do a, a, a focus on epigenetic age and discuss the therapeutics I think are most meaningful. We were clearly going to get into bioregs again. We do well, that. we need to do it again. And here's why, because I was so ignorant to, I mean, whenever you came on back then, that's whenever I think it was Quan Dahl who had told me about it and said, hey, you need to, and I think I'd heard Greenfield talk about it a little bit. It just, it, it started to become something I, I, it was something I was hearing, but I knew nothing about. So I would love to revisit it and do that to go into, now that I know more and I could probably ask some better questions about it. I think it'd be very beneficial to the audience. So no, I think we definitely do. It's fascinating, the story on these. And it's still fascinating to me that despite now, two or three years later with the number of, uh, the amount of information that has come out about them and the decades of research we have backing them, that they still, a lot of the people who come out and produce, oh, here's this amazing anti-aging protocol and it's good, it's great. But they don't have bioregulators on there. I'm like, mm -hmm. if this is your target, if this is what you're after, if this is what you're trying to prove, that's a, that's like you don't leave off bioregulators. If that's the main thing you're looking for is to shift epigenetic age based on the testing, then bioregulators would be your foundation step. And do you think that will, as part of my, I guess we'll, I guess once we see all my tests, then I end up, I might end up on a bioregular, a bioregulating peptide stack, right? Yeah, I'm pretty confident we'll be doing yeah. bioregulators for you, for okay. sure. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the the extrinsic age is a way of, uh, they're, what they're basically doing is estimating the immune system age. Um, now, it, my experience thus far with this is that it usually comes in much lower for everyone. I'm, I, true age would beg to differ. I'm not as confident in this, in this metric, but I do tend to see correlations, meaning that Individuals like this uh, person that we're looking at, who has not only used bioregulators, but also immune support peptides and done all the work she does. That, I'm not surprised that she would have a younger immune That's system. That's awesome. 34.27 versus a, a chronological of 41.57. Wow. Yeah. And actually, I, <laughs> here I'm going to be it. I have to like boast on my own, my own data, which I, you know, had prior data, my extrinsic epigenetic age if i'm getting this right so i'm 53 i think it was from when i was 52 it was like 40 year old it was wow. much much younger so i was pleased especially when we were in the hotbed of covid and the health of your immune system was just kind of instrumental is this mm -hmm. virus for you or not to know my immune system is likely highly responsive and capable of managing something like a covid yep yep yeah so this was good and then the metric I like a lot because it uh, with something we can monitor over time and we can actually see change in this more quickly 
is this. This is the pace of aging metric, right? So there's a scale. Now, the idea, of course, is to take uh, someone who's 40 and get at least their rate of aging under one. Now, you can see the scale over here. Mm-hmm. It goes from 0.6, which is the lowest pace of aging that's ever been measured in an individual. So that's, as far as we know, the bottom that you can get to up to <coughs> the height, 1.4. Now, once you're over the age of 30, your pace of aging just naturally is going to begin to creep up over one. Mm-hmm. Because as we get older, our aging accelerates. And when we're younger, it goes slower. Um, and we know that. So, you know, the we would just assume that a 41-year-old, if she just got randomly tested and had never done anything for her health other than just live a normal life, is going to be over one. I really wish I had a prior metric on her because I, I know this looks different than what it would have looked like based on her initial evaluation and how it looks now. But she has an amazing pace of aging for a 41-year-old, 0.74. So if this is truly a meaningful approximation of pace of aging, and I think it's reasonable to say it's got, you know, some association there, um, then right now for every calendar year, she ages 12 months, she's actually only aging 74% of which this is so cool. This is my favorite. This is one I know though that I would totally obsess over. Like yeah. that number's gonna that one that number's I'm gonna have to really yeah, that, that number's gonna drive me bonkers. Because this is kind of too Brian Johnson, the blueprint guy that's spinning and by the way, folks, just so you know, one of the things I'm doing, I I, I love what Brian Johnson's doing. It's so fun to watch him in the blueprint, but he's he'll he'll tell you he's spending like two million plus dollars on slowing this very value right here, his pace of aging. And what Gus and I are wanting to do, uh, everything we do is to try to bring the highest value to the most people. There's no way I could go blow 2 million bucks on staying below 50. And so that's why I partnered with Gus to try to figure out how can we do some of these, the the tests and and try to do some of the epigenetic um, structuring so that I can keep that number low and then share that data with you guys and allow you to pick and choose as it's available to you. But that number right there is the one that Brian Johnson is truly attacking is to try to slow the pace. It's not about, you know, obviously it'd be cool to start reversing that below the, you know, the 0.6 or whatever. That's, I mean, that's kind of, I don't even know, does it even measure that, Gus? Does it go below well, it? I don't know. I guess it would be tagged against the bottom if we could start breaking the scale with uh, some All protocol. Right. So here's what we're right. going to do. That, that, that's our goal, baby. We're going to break the scale. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, it's the only way I know yeah, how to go. Yeah, I've had a number of people recently who after the last year and a half's work, they're coming in at this 0.7 to 0.8 score and I've been really happy about it. That's awesome. Um, and three of them uh, were, you know, they had a, still had a intrinsic age. The first one we looked at it was a few years older than their current age. So one of them is a 60-year-old and he's like a, uh, he's not a professional, but on an amateur level, he's like a competitive CrossFit guy and super fit. And uh, he really tries hard to take care of himself. But when he first established with me, his data was really a mess. And he would tell you that it was a real mess. He was, his body was starting to break down. Hormones were suppressed, high inflammation, nutritional deficiencies, even though he had a ton of supplements. Um, and then we, you know, I just did a recent review with him. I caught up, we did his intensive for a year and we looked at his blood data and it's nice. It's beautiful. It's beautiful data. Uh, everything looks good. 
and he can tell the difference and his already awesome body composition is even better. At 61, I think he is, he actually in the last year, he dropped his body. He already was very healthy and this wasn't my goal for him. He dropped his body fat from 15% to 12%. So he dropped eight pounds wow. of fat and he wow. added three pounds of lean mass to his body. As in a 60-year-old. That's who, awesome. That's Yeah, he's not using like high-dose anabolic steroids or doing any of this. I mean, just using really a pretty basic protocol mm -hmm. and some of the tools that I've, I've used for him. He's not even used by regulators. Um, but what I liked is that you could look at his, say, his extrinsic, his intrinsic age and telomere length and see, well, it's probably a lot better than it was, but we've still got a journey. But his pace of aging was also like 0.8. So wow. we know we've already slowed the clock down on a clock that at some point was clearly accelerated. And wow. so I love seeing that kind of stuff. And yeah, Jason, this to me, for the people who will actually invest in the extra cost, you look at it again in six months, mostly for this pace of aging, because then we can really say, hey, was the investment in bioregulatory peptides, do we see a meaningful shift in pace of aging or maybe something else that we decided to invest in? a uh, higher dollar mitochondrial support supplement. And it's maybe one of the few things we added. And then we can look at your pace of aging and say, hey, did it uh, meaningfully change? Was this really helpful for you, likely over time? And one of the things that I want to say here too, Gus, is because a lot of people will look at this and go, so what are you guys trying to do? Are you trying to live forever or whatever? And and so, I, I, and not to speak for you, I'll let you chime in, but like the, what I look at and this, when I'm 80, I want to be, I want to stay below that one marker because I want to, as an 80 year old, have a younger epigenetic age, not because I'm trying to live to 90, but so that when I'm 80, I can do more things. My time, my number is going to be called when my number is going to be called. I'm, I'm out whenever my creator says, okay, it's time for you to come home. So it's not about trying to create, you know, immortality. It's about as long as I, for me personally, as long as I'm here, I want to be as healthy and robust and be able to do as much as possible, regardless of my given age. So I think it's important that everything that the, the, the audience knows that everything we're talking about here is not trying to be vampires and live forever. And, but it's instead to, as long as we're here to be able to reduce those marginal years so that whenever we do get to where all those, all of a sudden that, that score is like, Okay, you're on the downhill slide. You're at you're at a two, and we can't stop it. But you're also 98 years old, and boom, you're out in a short period of time. So just I, I always want to be clear about that. This isn't just some, at least for me, it's not some vain pursuit of how long can I? Make. I don't want to be here any longer than I have to. I guarantee you. But while I'm here, I want to be as healthy and feel as good and do as much as I possibly can. So just just a yeah. disclaimer there. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're just complete. We're both. Uh, synced up on that one. I'm not promising anybody an extra day of their life because that's not mine to promise. That's in the hands of their creator who is a loving, wise creator and is orchestrating our lives. And I take great comfort in that. Uh, but we have really the, a lot of the meaningful associations with what we're looking at have to do with chronic diseases, the things that limit our potentials and can hamstring us in our engagement in life. And so if you look at this graph, here, and this is very meaningful, and this data is from 2020. If your rate of aging is above one, your increase, you increase your risk of death, all-cause mortality, a very meaningful metric. Whoa. By 56% over the what? next seven. Yeah. And 
If your rate of aging is above a one, you increase your risk of a chronic disease diagnosis by 54% over the next seven years. So clearly, if you, it's baseline, your rate of aging is 1.1. And let's just say that you just take all the information that Jason, I've already given you. You don't buy a test. You clean up your environment, your air, your water, your food, your sleep. You start to give your body the amino acids and fatty acids and nutrients it needs. You spend more time outdoor. You do all of that and your rate of aging goes from 1.1 to 0.9. You just reduced your risk of death over the next seven years by 56%. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. Would you, I mean, it's probably a stupid question, but I would love to see Ben Greenfield's just because he goes so over the top. And I know you've worked with Ben, so maybe you've seen some of his numbers. I know because of HIPAA, you can't talk about it probably, but you know, he's done the stem cells. That dude has done, I've heard him say that something like he's got the epigenetics or whatever of an 18 year old. And he's, I'm sure he has done a podcast where he revealed his data. I got it. Now, when you said I've worked with Ben, I want to be careful. Yes, I've, I know Ben and he knows me, but we're not buddy, buddy. I've never been asked to consult with him medically. Yeah. Well, never been nothing that like would be his confidential information has ever been shared with me. Although I doubt there's much because he puts it all online. That's true. Yeah. 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 We need to look that up because I got to believe that of all the human guinea pigs out there, he's, I got to say this too, though. Here's what I love about Ben and and he's done a kind of a, he's commented on Brian Johnson, the blueprint guy. And you look at Brian, look at Ben. And again, no knock on Brian Johnson. I love following his stuff, but I, you know, if, if I'm playing kickball, I'm going to pick Ben Greenfield first. I'm <laughs> just saying, I mean, if I, whether I'm playing kickball, whether I'm going into a, to battle for Sparta or whatever, I think, and Ben does not go that nuts. He does a lot of the stuff we're talking about. I, he does blood transfusions and goofy stuff like that and stem cells, but Again, I just want this audience to know that the stuff we're talking about here, yes, for for the, for two, you know, September whatever this is that this will be running 2023, it's pretty advanced, but I think it's this is going to look elementary in, you know, 4 or 5 years. Yeah, yeah the, these tools are going to look like stone age tools in the next yep. decade, and that's exciting to me. Yeah, so, you know, like I really appreciate that Brian Johnson just created an open source Mm-hmm. Uh, approach to this. I think it's great. It's informative. It's really helpful. I think it advances the cause of understanding this. To your earlier point, he can make that investment. I'm glad he is. Mm-hmm. The, we're looking at pretty amazing data right here on a 41-year-old woman who spent some money, but nothing close to that. Nowhere even, not even in the like same measuring stick of what he spent to be able to have data like this. So no, you don't have to do that. And as regards to uh, Ben, you know, it's it's his job to go do those things to himself. Yeah, exactly. And, and catalog the result and share it with everyone else. So I always look at him. I, I don't know. I know he's got a good heart. I know that mm-hmm. um, from my my little bit of time I have spent with him. He's got a good heart and he really cares about people and he cares about what he produces for people. But I look at him as like, he's the pioneer. He's got to go out to the ed- edges, past the, past the cultivated area and he's got to go dig around and find stuff and then experiment on himself and bring it back to us. Uh, and to those of us, who maybe we're also out there on the frontier of medicine with the stuff we're doing, but we're not that far out. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I appreciate that he's taken that on as his own job. I bet he would acknowledge, I'm pretty sure he would, and it's probably written into much of his teaching and blogs that 
the basic stuff that we're covering accomplishes 98%. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They're, the last thing on here is the telomere length, since people are typically really interested in the telomere length piece. And so this is the assessment and her average telomere length, they, they put it in kilobase pairs and then compared to the population 50, 59th percentile. What does that mean? That her length compared to people her age, she's 59% longer, which basically means that she has longer telomeres, right? Than average. So, so she's, she's pretty healthy. healthy. Uh, I'm gathering from this. She's pretty healthy. This is someone I regret that I didn't suggest this test a couple of years ago um, because having had predate on her would be awesome as a comparison case because mm-hmm. even though like you wouldn't have looked at her at 40 and said she wasn't healthy uh, and her data wasn't terrible, there were a lot of little pieces that were just and a lot of things that she just wasn't aware of, especially on her Toxicant report. And, um, she is just, you know, it's, it's what the main, the, the idea here is that you take the average, uh, 40 year old who looks healthier than most and feels pretty good. And yet there's still this massive amount of potential change for them. Yeah. And how she feels now compared to how she felt then, it, it almost like she would look back at that state as though she was sick back then, even though she wasn't because she feels so good now. That's one of the things, Gus, that I, I've said before, I know that we probably talked about before, is that you don't know how bad you feel until you feel as good as you can. It, it just, it, it's so bizarre to me. Like, I, and I look back just at, you know, per pictures of myself from, you know, even five, six years ago um, and, and remembering how I felt. And I thought I was pretty healthy. I mean, I've always been, you know, I've always been into fitness and stuff. But when you really just make these small precise tweaks and you really get serious about this stuff it is kind of mind-blowing just how good you can feel how good you can think how good you can sleep how alert you are it's 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 a it's a it's it's remarkable it really is and i keep like you i mean i'm 53 now i'll be 54 in a month i just keep feeling better yeah better better and i will say that some of that's uh to, to our pre-conversation, a lot of that has to do with just the deepening of my faith and my spiritual walk. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of my overall sense of well-being, probably I would benchmark it to that more than I would specifically everything else I do for my health. But there, no, there's no doubt that it's all coming together into a point where, yeah, I've got gray hair. Yes, I have some wrinkles on my skin. You know, I uh, yet my sense of vitality in all domains of my health is better than when I was even in my 20s. You know, it's like, I I don't feel like there is a clock uh, that is ticking on me. Uh, not that I would, of course, live forever at all. I feel like time is just expanding for me. I've got all the time in the world to continue to experience the love of my family, the beauty of this creation, friendships like yours, and also to continue to deepen my understanding of human design and work with people and maybe be one 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 influencer of many of how we change the health trajectory for our fellow human beings. So it's really exciting to make these changes and experience that and to uh, put a sense of concern or anxiety about your health uh, out of your mind and yeah. just be alive. Yeah, you know, and it's, that's what I want for everybody listening. And just so the audience knows, that is my mission with this and it, it's one that you guys have heard me say that 
before. It's a selfish endeavor. I, I truly believe that if if we were to ever meet and you're the best version of yourself, you're going to be better to be around. You're going to be more fun to be around. We And, you know, it, it just... And so it is selfish, but even if I never see you, if I never meet you in person, I just, I had, to me, my health and and the things that I've done, probably in the last, you know, less than a decade, especially, Gus, I'm so thankful for it. I can't not share it. And I don't mean it. Like, I, I hope it never comes across as, yeah, look at me, look what I've done. Never want to be that way. I just want to be something to say, gosh, if I can do it, you can too. I want you to have what I have. Again, it's like the cat that brings the dead animals to the back door. You know, they're, they're proud of them. Look at what I got, boss. You know, I went out hunting today in the backyard. Here's a mouse and a gopher. And, and so that's what I'm like. I go out and I bring this stuff to this audience. And I'm like, here, you got to try this. It's just. I want to beg to differ with you. What you bring to the audience is better than a dead gopher. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. That's definitely the mission. Uh, I wore my black t-shirt today in honor of you. I like um, it, my friend. I like I, it. I have my usual dress attire because today I went and facilitated the biggest threat to everyone's health there. I actually uh, allowed it to take place. And that was my it's my son's 16th birthday. And I helped make sure he got his driver's license. Oh, wow. They had the DMV. So he has officially driven himself to school this afternoon. And now... Everybody better. You're you're. It doesn't matter what you do for your FPJ. Yeah, I'm kidding. Dude. He's a he's a cautious driver and he's a good kid, and I'm not worried about it. The best thing for my epigenetic age and my wife's is that he now starting tomorrow can drive himself to school for his 6 a.m. basketball workouts. Oh yeah, no, we'll be doing that. God, that's one of those moments, man. I'll never forget when Rylan and Abby started driving. It's like. There's just those few moments in life, like when they go off to college, but when they start to drive, it's like when you bring them home from the hospital, for me, it was like, are you serious? You're really just letting me leave? There's no licensing or anything like that. I, I just get to go. There's no instructions. I just get to go. You're, are you really? And the same thing, whenever they drive, you're like, and you stopped. For me, it was like, I never stopped to think that, well, you were the same way. You had never driven and you did it. But man, that's that's a big that's a big one, man. So uh so well, yeah, kudos, brother. Rocking the two girls at college. So like it like kind of hit me today. You're hitting it's, a lot at once, dude. Yeah, like and it's all a blessed, beautiful thing. But yep. we're at college and they're settling in, and now my son will be driving himself back and forth to school. And it's suddenly like, oh my gosh, right? Now, I just talked about how I feel so young. That made me feel a little bit old. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm the same way. I it's funny. I meet people now who still have kids that are in high school and I've just got this weird, I don't know if it's partly just arrested development or something. I think in my mind, I'm still younger than everybody I, in my mind. And so now I have to consciously assume that everyone's younger than me because I, I mean, it truly, Gus, I completely I'm like, oh, your kids are in high school. Huh? I wonder, I wonder how much older you are than me. I'm like, oh, wait, I've got two children that are out of college and it's like oh wow gosh i remember coming home with those babies like you the twins when they were born our first ones we get home from the hospital we have the baby you know i've put together the whole baby like the whatever the diaper change yeah. station or we sit down and it's like what do we do now <laughs> i know what are we supposed to do and i'm sitting there thinking i got these two kids this medical business i've started this recently and i'm like I, I, people, I'm not a grown up yet, right? Yeah, like, same. I, I'm not a grown up. I don't feel like a grown up. How is that? How is, is that a uh, song? Who was the, that band? 
well, how did this happen to me? You know, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. they go by, let <laughs> yeah, yeah, the talking heads. How there did you I go? Get- <laughs> yeah, who is this? When, you know, yeah, that's right. Well. I tell you, you know, I'm going to stay as young as I can for as long as I can. Oh, by the way, um, I started a new workout in addition to, I'm still doing my ladder workout with Ben Greenfield, but I have started the eight weeks to seal fit. Oh, and yeah. dude, it's pretty tough. It, it's, it's, um, it, it, the thing is though, it's putting way more. I've told you this is going to sound so cheesy and douchey audience. Bear with me, but I can add muscle very easily. It, it, I don't know why. It's just the way. It's just my epigenetic makeup. That that DNA signaling for some reason just signals strong in me. I don't know, and I don't want to. I don't want to be like a brocephus. But man, I am doing so many more squats and a lot of overhead presses and stuff. It's pretty cool, man. So until I till I can save up and uh, get my catalyst suit that you're you're using, I started the eight weeks to seal fit program that Mark Divine developed. And dude, I'm telling you guys, next time you see me, man, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm getting kind of jacked. I don't want to, but you know. And I, I know like Jason's like, he gets so big and muscular. It's like, <laughs> it's like grotesque. It's like, I don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah. Swole you know, house. I, uh, he had that program and I started it for a couple of weeks but I have to say, I fell off of it. It's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. And I was uh, in no way up ready for it. This was probably seven, eight years ago. And my life was already kind of crushing me with my levels of responsibility. And there was like no way for me to manage it. But I thought it was a great eight-week workout program for sure. The thing that it is that I know we've talked about on the show for me, like, again, I, I will say this. I don't like being bulky. I don't like it. But I do feel better with more muscle just I just feel better. And so it does. I mean, look, if you, if you want to be a, I mean, it's, it's to prepare, you know, those who, which I, I am not man enough. I don't have the toughness, so I don't want to miss it. I'm just doing the pre-workout, but it's basically Mark Divine preparing people who want to go to buds training and to, and be able to survive it. And you have to have a lot of strength and endurance, you know? And so a lot of stuff I haven't done in a long time, um, the, the squats and the cleans and stuff like that, that, are really just uncomfortable just because I haven't done those moves in so long. But now that I'm kind of into it, it's, uh, I'm enjoying it. It's, uh, it's, but it is, it's tough, man. It's, it, 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 it wears me out. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, though, what, just so the audience knows, we also previously reviewed a micronutrient panel. Jason will be getting the full micronutrient panel, the whole nutritional evaluation as well. And also a genetic report looking at his mitochondrial genetics and detox genetics and cell function genetics and so those will be additional pieces of the workout. If, I mean, the workup, if this doesn't seem already overwhelming enough, the data. But I will tell you what, what we do, what I do, I get in all these data sets. I've got tox and gut and micronutrient and blood and epigenetic age and now mitochondrial membranes and genetics. And I sit down and if I have already like the history, the goals, and you know, I usually have that filled out in a form where I know the person. I know that information. And when you just sit down and you look at that flow of all that data together, and then you match it up to where are their genetic strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And it all comes together in just this cohesive picture, right? Yeah. Like not this like crazy uh, Dostoevsky novel that's 1,200 pages long, which are beautiful, beautiful pieces of work, right? But actually uh, a, a relatively uh, concise, uh, here is the story of your body right now. And here's what we need to do to take it on its journey. And so it looks like it could be overwhelming, 
But by the time I've done my integration piece and met with an individual, it's not. It's yeah. like it, it becomes, you know, understandable and uh, you're able to kind of see how it explains your own version of your story of health. And then you get to also know if that story is not the one you like and you have been trying to create a new one and having challenges, you now know it's possible to create that new story. I'm looking forward to it because I'm telling you, like, I'm not vain about what I look like necessarily, like size, stuff like that, but I will fully confess and be transparent with this audience. I am very vain when it comes to my overall health. Like one time somebody asked me if I was on statins and I was like, are you, I was so insulted by that question. Like, why would I be on, are you, do you, do you know who I am? Have you, you know, I'm like, I'm serious. I was so conceited and vain about it. So you know, it, it, it will, you will be my brother in Christ to talk me off the ledge and to calm me down and to overcome my, my vanity if these numbers come back pretty jacked up. And I will sh- I'm going to share it with the audience. Hey, your host, here's where he's, you know, jacked up, but we're going to fix it. I, I, I'm going to. Yeah, well, we got to hope. I mean, we got to. You don't want it, but I, there's going to be findings, of course. Um, I know. Probably it's going to look pretty good overall comparatively. But I we know. do. I, I really actually hope like most individuals, uh, that your epigenetic age is over 50 so that we can prove yeah. that the fact that this works not only to maybe stop you from aging to 50 biologically, but to actually reverse, reverse it. it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I really actually need you to go before you do that epigenetic age test and smoke some cigarettes. Yeah, and drink some- <laughs> do like John Travolta getting ready yeah. for a roll, get all fat and then lose it. Yeah, Let's try to push it up so yeah. then we like reverse it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you know that, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I would be real fun to, yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Wright would love that whenever she already gets on to me about some of my. But that would be the biggest influencer of your epigenetic age is the day Mrs. Wright came home and saw you boozing it up and smoking cigarettes. She would, she'd be like, okay, the wheels have finally come off. I knew they were loose, but they yeah. just finally went flying off. Yemelin gets a hold of you and they're like, oh my gosh, she'll make you a hot pots project. You'll be, you'll be done for. Well, I'm telling you, she's already going to be nervous about these results because she knows she gets so mad at me obsessing over my aura data. It's like, take the stupid ring off. Just don't sleep and stop. Just take it off. And so I'm like, so yeah, she may not talk to you for a while after we do, since I'm, I'm blaming all this on you. You taught me into all this. Well, I'll take, I'll take, I'll be the fall guy. All right. Perfect. Gus, I think this wraps another uh, Authentic Health Friday. I hope you folks found it useful. For those of you who just listened to us and you didn't watch it on YouTube, I'm going to post this so you can go through the report. And all these reports are on the, the video versions. And I'm actually putting these uh, these videos in the show notes. So if you want to listen, if you want to go and just just skip up, uh, skip ahead to where Gus is going through the different panels and the, and the findings. You can do that, and uh, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep at it. And now, here we go. Let's uh, see if we can keep me under fifty. Do it, and uh, I thank the audience for just their interest and hopefully their enthusiasm um, for what we're sharing. I'm, I'm certainly enthusiastic about this information. Yeah. All right, Gus. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, appreciate you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget, 
download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, the Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve always and always. I'm out.